Hey, Mason, I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas? Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs of bandwidth, recording tools, and much more. Whoa, with all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $4.49 a month for 12 months. That's a deal and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started. Oh, yeah, that is a deal. Plus... Enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Because Matt can feel it, this is MuggleCast, episode 130, for February 2nd, 2008. I have a story I thought I could kick the show off with this week. Um, I was in the bathroom the other day, and I was using um, Neutrogena uh, facial scrub for acne for my face. Okay. And I'm putting the scrub on my face, and I'm rubbing it, and it gets in front of my nose. And um, I breathe out of my nose, and I actually created an air bubble in my right nostril as I blew because the soap was like right in front of my nose so I blew this huge bubble I was like whoa this is cool I'm going to talk about this on the show and then it popped are you and serious? first time this listeners uh, we wow. welcome you to MuggleCast a Harry Potter related uh, d- discussion podcast I thought it was a good story and I thought it was funny well you, you no, need to think harder Andrew. <laughs> but but, but, but no. Andrew you have to you have to somehow tie that you have to somehow make the connection even though Jamie's not here you have to like if, if it were Jamie if it were Jamie you say okay I'm I was shaving, and and I blew this bubble, and it. Made- well, it it was unexpected and surprising, just like everything in the Harry Potter books, and it oh, was yeah. fun. I wish I could have taken a picture. Well, it's a good but, story. Um, I mean, I, I wish I shaved. <laughs> you so. don't have to shave. Jamie doesn't have to shave. Eric doesn't have to shave. I have to shave like hourly. My facial hair has grown in so quick. I'm so You're manly. Such a liar. I'm so oh my gosh. You're very manly, Andrew. Laura has to shave like once a week. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. How about that? Um, yeah, so we have a good show this week. We're going to talk with Paul DeGeorge of Harry and the Potters. He has uh, a new charity effort out, and we're going to talk to him about that. And also, he's going to reveal a new MuggleNet demo. Well, actually, it's not new. It's been around since 2005, but it hasn't been released to the world until now. It's a demo song about MuggleNet. It's fantastic. Uh, so I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Matthew Britton. And I'm Mikey B. And Mikey B's here. <laughs> yeah, woo!
Micah Tannenbaum's in the MuggleCast News Center with the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Hey, Micah. All right, thanks, Andrew. Although he has shown an interest in working on the much-anticipated final installment of the Harry Potter film series, it has emerged earlier this week that Guillermo del Toro will not be directing Deathly Hollows since he's rather busy, as put by producer David Heyman. In fact, it seems that he will instead be taking the reins of The Hobbit and its sequel film. Since Deathly Hollows is set for release in 2010 and principal photography for The Hobbit begins in 2009, he would not be able to work on both projects. Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling has been awarded with an Outstanding Achievement Prize at the UK's The South Bank Show Awards, which recognize British achievement in music, theater, television, and the arts. The awards will be broadcast on February 3rd on ITV1. As we told you earlier this week, filming crews are preparing to start shooting scenes for Half-Blood Prince at Gloucester Cathedral. If I get one more email, I swear I'm going to go crazy. As you can see from the photos, preparations are clearly underway. We'll update you as we know more. And those of you in Canada will get a chance to see James Runcie's documentary, J.K. Rowling, A Year in the Life, this Monday, February 4th, at 10 p.m. Eastern on CBC News World. The documentary originally aired back in December on ITV. We will keep you posted on any plans for it to air here in the United States. Finally, there will be a new face to the character of Pansy Parkinson in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. A&J Management is reporting today that Scarlet Byrne has been cast in the role of the sixth-year Slytherin in the upcoming Potter film. The part was originated by Genevieve Gaunt in Prisoner of Azkaban. That's all the news for this February 2nd, 2008 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. All right, thanks to Micah for that. Um, once again, it was another one of those slow news weeks, but um, <sighs> there's going to be some interesting news coming out within the next couple of months concerning the seventh film. But <sighs> we just we haven't really. There's no official, 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 official announcement yet, so uh, we'll have to wait for that. But in the meantime, this week uh, we found out that uh, what's his name, Del Toro, is directing The Hobbit. Well, not technically directing just yet. What do you mean? Well, he's in t- he's in talks with him right now. So he hasn't signed his contract. No. Yet. Oh, I thought he was signed. But on. he's shown very much interest, and Peter Jackson really wants him. And apparently, it, it's going to happen, but it's just not <laughs> official yet. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Like, honestly, it, it's going to happen because Del Toro is just amazing, and him directing the Hobbits because Jackson doesn't want to right now. Um, Jackson has so much on his plate. It's ridiculous. He does. What he's doing. And I love all the films he's doing right he's now. He's producing too. so many films right now. He's also doing the Halo movie, too. Oh, right. And he's, but he's, he's doing Tintin. He's doing, he's doing the Adventures of Tintin with possibly Rupert Grint that they were talking about yeah, that's, a long time ago. That's, that's true. But would, would Peter Jackson just. It, now he's having obviously some creative control of of Hobbit, isn't he? I mean, I, oh, I, it yeah. just shocks. Well, me yeah, that he would, he's a producer. He's directing it. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a producer. So well, that's the producer doesn't have. Well, a producer doesn't have as much creative control as like a director or even you know people that are going to be storyboarding it for him, in right? Kind of deciding where things are going to go, but he's definitely going to be there to collaborate because. Truthfully, what's going to happen is any director, especially if you have someone that talented as your producer, you're going to ask, what does he think about what's going on? Just like my biggest concern, like last summer, um, Michael Bay did Transformers, and I was a huge fan of Transformers when I was younger, but 
I hate Michael Bay as a director. Not anymore. I think he did good <laughs> on that movie. I really hated a lot of the stuff he had done. A lot of the stuff he had done was bad. But he had Spielberg as his producer on that movie. Matt, does this come as disappointing news to you? Because I know you were you were hoping for Del Toro to direct. Um, it's kind of bittersweet, I guess, because <laughs> I mean, I really like um, Del Toro as a director. I mean, I, I I love, I absolutely love Pan's Labyrinth, but. Knowing that he he's going to direct The Hobbit, which I'm a huge fan of the book, also I I really I really can't complain. I okay. mean, now now Matt, I know you're a Del Toro fan. Are you excited for Hellboy two as much as I am? <sighs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Come on, Del- <laughs> have you seen the trailer? Del Toro, he, like when he had released the trailer, I was being sarcastic, and he's like he's like everybody. This is Hellboy two. Like he was so excited to do Hellboy one and Hellboy two, and. I, I just think everything Del Toro does is everything he does is as good. Of, like recently, well, we'll wait for uh, more developments about the movie. But um, it should be very interesting to see how they're gonna. You know, of course, there's still the rumors going around about Deathly Hollows being split into two movies, and then of course we still got to hear about the director. So we're hoping for an announcement about all of that soon. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was, I would ho- I would say that Deathly Hollows is definitely going to be split into two. Hmm. Well, that's just if I was a betting Do you think it's going to be split into two or just like a long movie? No, I think it's going to be split into two separate films. I hope so. Why would they do that, Andrew? Because uh, they want it to money. be good, I guess. Money? <laughs> well, no, money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that means they're going to get all of us to go twice uh, to see the movie and buy two different DVDs. And then when they come out as the combined DVD, buy the combined DVD one. Yeah, yeah. that's that's true, too. We'll, we'll have a really good... I'm sure we'll have a really good discussion once there is an announcement made about, you know, the film being split into two. Of course, if that happens. Okay, so moving on announcements real quick. It is a new month. Happy February, everyone. It's the month of love. Vote for us on Podcast Alley. Get us up in the top ten. We already are now, February 1st, but there's only a handful of votes. So uh, thank you for placing your vote over there. I know I voted earlier today. Place my so vote. Did I. You good, liar. Good. You did not. I did, too. I have the confirmation email to prove it. It's easy. It's very easy. You just go to Podcast Alley. You hit vote for us, obviously. And you put in your email address. Then you click the link they email to you, and you're done. Also, just a little update on the little East Coast tour we're hoping to put together. Um, one bookstore chain turned us down because they want, would rather we do a tour in the summer around Harry's birthday or the Book 7 paperback release. But, of course, we can't. We don't really want to do it then. It's too late. We want to do spring break. So we're, we're looking at other options right now. And hopefully we'll have something more firm to announce with, within the next few weeks. But we are still working on it just so everybody knows. Um, but let's get right into Muggle Man now, because we have a lot to uh, discuss on this week's show. Okay, uh, first one comes from Emily Kate, age 16, from Bangladesh. She says, Dear MuggleCasters, I was sitting in study hall listening to MuggleCast, and I had made it through almost all of episode 129 without my study hall supervisor noticing that I was listening to my iPod, which I'm technically not supposed to listen to in class. There was about a minute left in the show when you guys were talking about Micah's pregnant comment, and I started laughing so loud the supervisor came over and I didn't notice. I had my iPod taken away, but I got it at the end of the day. But it was a great episode, so worth it. Aw. Thanks. Aw. You know, I've actually done that before, too. I I was listening to an episode. I don't know. I think it was early episode of MogoCast. I'm just, like, sitting there, and then I start cracking up out loud. And and I'm sure it was something like Ben or Jamie did or yelled at each other. Was, actually, sure no, it, it was right. I think it was, I think it was, I think it was the, yeah, yeah, 
yeah! <laughs> something like Thanks. that. Something like that. Or, or Simsy or something like that. Pickles? Yeah, we get emails know. like this from time to time saying that we do that. We, we get people in trouble in, like, science class and whatnot. But, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but you should be paying attention to your classes because education. Yes, you should. It's for the future. It's for yeah, the future. Well, what was study hall? It was so, study hall. Oh, yes. That's not so, important. I always used to sleep in study hall. The next email comes from Jeff, 23, of Connecticut. He writes, in regards to tracking umbrage to the ministry, I believe it was said in the book that only top officials were allowed to direct to directly operate inside the building. Umbridge being undersecretary to the minister would most likely have been one of said top officials. Therefore, it would probably... Therefore, it probably would not have gone unnoticed if creatures showed up in the middle of the atrium and apparated away with one of the top officials. Unless they were able to somehow track down where Umbridge lived, the ministry seems to be the only way of finding her. Next is Harry... Next, as far as Harry once again seeing into Voldemort's mind, not only was it useful, but in the book it also stated that Harry gained control over the visions while burying Dobby after their escape from Malfoy Manor. On page 478 in the American edition, it says, His scar burns, yet he was master of the pain. He felt it, yet was a part of it. But yet was apart from it. He had learned control, at least, learned to shut his mind to Voldemort, the very thing Dumbledore had wanted him to learn from Snape. End quote. I think this was useful because after this, he seems to be able to invade Voldemort's mind whenever he wants. I think this was crucial to the book because it was probably the only instance in the whole series where Harry seemed to have a true magical talent over Voldemort's. This may not be very relevant to the chapters you were discussing in your last episode, but I think that they were nonetheless important to the story. But to conclude, maybe Car- Maybe Hermione was right to tell Harry he should block out those visions, because in the end, it gave him the control to look into Voldemort's mind whenever he wanted, which Hermione even encouraged him to do during the battle for Hogwarts. So, yeah, that's basically the point I was making. I mean, it just works to their advantage. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Harry won the argument when he was talking to Hermione in the bathroom. He was like, you know, I'm totally going to do this, and I want to know what my enemy is doing. And Hermione's yeah. like, whatever. This is probably why I like Don't argue. Book 7 so much for Harry's, because he's just so he's so certain now. You know, he actually knows more than a, a lot of the people who are trying to inform him on. Yeah, yeah. Right. he's very yeah. confident. Yeah. yeah, he's the most confident in the series. Like, I just read the yeah. Lupin scene today, and even though, like, you're shocked about how Harry acted, it's just, it's so well done. And that Harry's, like, you know, his own person. It's really cool. All right. This one comes from Alexis from Westchester, New York. She writes, Hi, everyone. I just listened to episode 129 and was particularly intrigued by the lengthy discussion about parallels between Harry Potter and the Holocaust. As Laura said, Buchenwald and Auschwitz were Nazi concentration camps in Germany created and used to, in essence, exterminate European Jews. Nuremberg and Auschwitz had the words, uh, Work makes freedom carved into its front gate. Nuremberg was a prison that housed Grindelwald's opponents and its entrance bore the slogan, For the Greater Good. As also stated during the show, Dumbledore defeated Grindelwald in 1945, which is another parallel to the Holocaust. The prejudice demonstrated by the Holocaust still haunts us today by way of racism and genocide in our world. In the Wizarding World, Grindelwald's ideas are projected through Voldemort and the pure-blood muggle-born prejudice we've seen since Chamber of Secrets. Just wanted to add to the Harry Potter Holocaust discussion, because I've spent years learning about the Holocaust. I love the show, and I hope to meet up with you at the New York Live Podcast. If we do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is really interesting that you bring up that point that Auschwitz had the, the work makes freedom sign. Um, you can actually read that in Ellie Weissel's Night, which is an account of... Um, he was a, a, a Yeah. yeah. I, yes, he was a Hungarian Jew. 
spent time in Auschwitz. I read that book in, I think it was seventh grade, and uh, it was a really powerful book. And also, though, I've been to um, been to a concentration camp. I went to Dachau when I was in um, when I was in Germany, and uh, that also has the sign above the entrance. Uh, it's uh, work. I believe it translates to uh, "work makes one free," or, or you know, "work makes freedom." Same deal. Um, "Work makes one free" is pretty much kind of ironic, but that's what the the Nazis uh, put on the uh, gates of the entrance of the work camps. So I've been there in person. It's mm-hmm. a really somber or really solemn place. Well, and it's it's just interesting that um, Joe kind of used that whole for the greater good thing because that's a lot of what the Nazi propaganda was based on. Just this idea that they were going to purify Germany and keep, you know, the evil, dirty Jews out and the perfect, you know, wonderful Aryans in. And it's just, it's awful. Yep, absolutely. Um, And last chapter, you guys, did you guys talk about the throne of uh, muggles? The throne made of muggle bodies? Yeah, yes, we did. Yeah, because that was, that was really, there's something, um, there's a structure in Dachau uh, like that, and it's um, it's a bit sickening. Sickening. Um, really, is it the same thing? Like it's not. To- it's not a throne of bodies, but I think it's. A, I think it was a wall made of um, made of impressions of of bodies or something. It was actually a, of all the of all the Jews and stuff. It was actually quite uh, grotesque. Um, but I think it's in, inside Dachau. Um, so there's something very quite very similar that I've seen in real person, and it's just really really strong parallels in in Joe's book, and. Earlier, I questioned, and this relates to this chapter too. Earlier, I, um, on the show, I questioned uh, some of the uh, parallels. You know, I said, "Do we really need a Nazi parallel in J.K. Rowling's works?" I think um, reading these chapters, I think it's it really uh, sort of made me rethink that uh, comment. And I'm really happy with this uh, sort of parallel because, in a way, just just the way that we see the uh, ministry. You know, be fallen in in these past few chapters and now with what Lupin is telling them and all this stuff uh, of how the tabloids are taken and all of this stuff that we're seeing. It's good to have it in a children's book because all these kids who yeah. are reading it, who read, you know, obviously about the Holocaust are seeing it also happen in their favorite to their favorite boy wizard to have it happen to Harry Potter. So I'm I'm really proud of Joe for this, um, and I retract what I said before about it not really being. Uh, needed. I think it's. I think it's really good. Okay, and our next email comes from Emily Rowe of 18 from Rockaway, New Jersey, and she writes: While listening to last week's episode 129, I noticed that you guys also recognize the parallel between the Death Eaters and the Nazi Party of Germany. If you will, let me throw in my two cents about this parallel. One, Hitler's main focus of prejudice during the Holocaust was the Jews when he himself had Jewish blood in him. Uh, Voldemort thought that Muggleborns and Half-Bloods were unfit to practice magic when he himself was half-Muggle. And even if he resents that part of him, it does not take away the fact that he has Muggle blood in him. The next point is the one I stress the most. The swastika has been used for thousands of years as an Asian symbol for peace and prosperity. If you take a look at artifacts from India or anywhere else in Asia, you will see the swastika carved into them. Then Hitler got a hold of it, flipped it around, and tilted it on its side to associate it with the Nazi party. This is similar to Grindelwald's situation with the Deathly Hollow symbol. He posted this symbol on the walls of Durmstrang, and it became negatively associated with him considering that he became a notorious dark wizard. But was a symbol for the Deathly Hollows really that bad? Did it really represent something evil like destroying Muggleborns? That's all I have to comment on that subject. 
I love listening to you guys, and it really makes my day. Keep up the fantastic work, Emily. And thanks. Um, can I first interject something um, about the uh, the Hitler is Jewish thing? That's actually not proven. No one knows for sure where the theory comes from. Is that um, Hitler's grandfather? They believe Hitler's grandfather may have been part Jewish because his father was an illegitimate child, and so it's possible that. Uh, his grandmother, they know that she worked in the home of a wealthy Jew. So it's possible that the son of the household got her pregnant, but no one knows for sure. Uh, but everyone does know that Hitler did not practice Judaism. So just to clear No, that. I'm sure he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's, it, I don't think it's really fair to say that he was Jewish because. I do agree though with her second point though. I think that really is a yeah. that's a very nice that's connection a good parallel yeah. between Deathly Hollows. I actually said that over the tour. I said that over the tour once. Did well, that, you? That Deathly but, Hollows. Yeah, symbol, but we kind of the Deathly Hollows symbol we talked about, or I I remember talking about it when uh, when we did the chapter of the wedding um, and just saying about it. We don't actually know. You know, Crumb said that it was Grindelwald's symbol, and Crumb was really sort of adamant that that Grindelwald killed a lot of people. We don't really know. Exactly what Grindelwald did, do we? You know, as of the end of the seventh book, we just know that he was all about sort of wizard above muggle. Um, and mm-hmm. that's sort of how that. But, you know, we can't really just. It, it can't be really a World War II Nazi comparison, too, because it happens way down in the past, too. Like with the Devil's Pitchfork is actually um, tr- uh, a Triton from Neptune, I think it was. Yeah, well, well, religious and, symbolism. Yeah, it was actually from the the pagans used that that symbol too, and and so it's, right. it's well, even the, the pagan witch hat too. Yeah, yeah, they exactly. So with evil, all this, I mean, uh, it's, just, it's actually called iconography, I think, or religious iconography, oh, of course. Or, or something like that. There, there's there's a bunch of names for it. No, that's actually what it's called. That's, that's what, what it's called. that's what um, Robert Langdon studies, I think, isn't it? In uh, in Da Vinci Code and uh, Angels and, and Demons. Da, yes. da Vinci Code. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Check, that's check right. Out yeah. So uh, and there's all sorts of talk about all those. It's really fed. Um, it's really fantastic, the uh, history of symbols and stuff like that. It's all in that book. Well, um, let's just keep rolling along here right now. I, we're joined by Paul DeGeorge now, who is Harry Year 7 and Harry and the Potters. Paul, how are you doing today? Hi, Andrew. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. This is uh, my first Muggle cast appearance. I'm really pumped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, um, we wanted to have you on for a couple reasons today. Uh, first of all, we want to talk about Harry and the Potters, though, because essentially it was the first wizard rock band, right? I mean, do you like to take credit for it, or do you give it to, uh, what is it, the Switchblade, ki- uh, Switchblade Kittens? Well, uh, you know... I, I don't I don't mind taking credit for it if uh-huh. you're gonna if you're gonna give it uh sure. Yeah, just, yeah, I yeah. mean really like Joe and I I guess were the first ones to sort of like do something so conceptually consistent where we sort of adopted the characters of Harry and created our own band around it where we yeah. are exclusively doing, you know, like Joe's Harry year four and I'm Harry year seven. And through the magic of time travel, we're able to start a band together, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of just assuming that if, if Harry had that ability to travel through time, that's, that's what he'd choose to do with it, I guess. Right. <laughs> now, a rock band. Why did you do Harry year seven and Harry year four? Well, uh, at the time we started, which is uh, almost six years ago now, uh, Joe was uh, about 14. Um, and so we, we thought, oh. well, that's about year four, right? Um, he was, <laughs> right. he was just about to turn 15. So we're like, well, that, that's, that's where Joe goes. Um, and I was a little older, like I was in my early 20s. So I was like, well, you know, 
All those all those characters on like Beverly Hills 90210 were like in their in their twenties playing high school kids. <laughs> right. So so we decided to go for that. Like I'd be Harry Year Seven, and and since then it's we've taken the kind of Simpsons approach to it where we don't ever age. You never you know? age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. As is the case with most TV shows this day. Why did you start the Wizard Rock Band? Why 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 Harry and the Potters? Why Harry Potter music? Since there was nothing at the time. Yeah. Well, you know, Joe and I had. We played in bands, and we never played together. We're brothers, and there's eight years between us, so we never played in a band together. And we kind of, like, the the idea just came to me one day, like, what if Harry Potter had a band, you know? And I thought, well, that's that's something so cool to do with my younger brother, you know, is to do, like, this goofy, silly, fun band. And what really appealed to us about it was, you know, these Harry Potter books had had such a huge effect on so many young people's lives, you know, inspiring kids to read um, and getting so many kids involved in literature. We thought, well, maybe we can sort of take that to a new level. And, you know, if we start this band and write some rock and roll songs about these books, maybe we can convince libraries to let us come and play in their library and play these rock shows and get younger kids involved in, in rock and roll and seeing live music. Yeah. And that's what it was like at first, you know. Um, we would we would be playing in these libraries around Boston, and um, a lot of parents would take their younger kids, like between eight and twelve years old, to come see us. And it was great, you know. We we had no no audience established, and we were playing to like rooms of fifty to a hundred young kids, and and eventually, like um, this was back in two thousand three, like um, we and we kind of noticed over the course of the summer that year as we had played in all these libraries around Boston, um, more kids were coming regularly and they would start to know all the words to our songs. Like they had got yeah. our CD or something <laughs> at a show and, and they were coming and they'd know all the words to the songs. I'm like, this is incredible. And yeah. then, um, and then shortly after that, um, the Harry Potter fan community sort of caught wind of us. And that's when things just kind of got crazy for us. You know, we honestly, yeah. at the time, had no idea such a thing existed, that there was, like, this incredibly cohesive and enthusiastic online fan community. And it was actually, oddly enough, it was uh, a post on MuggleNet at some point in the fall of 2003 that really, sl- that really slammed our web yeah. server and, you know, <laughs> shut us down for a few days, I think. You know, um, <laughs> And that's when our our band sort of took a national presence. Yeah. I guess you know it's funny you say that because for for the past couple of years now we've been um you know we've we've always thought that we were the first ones to post about you guys, and then Melissa came to uh, Melissa came to me Melissa Nelly from Leaky came to me uh, a few months ago and said uh, can you find the post where you guys made the Wizard Rock. Uh, where you plugged Harry and the Potters. And I looked it up and I found it. And we actually credited Verita Serum for tipping us off. Yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> so we okay. were like, whoa! It actually wasn't Muggleneck. But yeah, we, um, yeah, we did post that because I remember, I think it was Ben who posted it. Or maybe Emerson? Do you remember who it was? No, yeah, I can't remember. But, um, I just remember being like, yeah. whoa, look at these websites. <laughs> They're all about Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was my introduction to the online fan community was uh, around that. And a lot of, um, at the same time, maybe just a few days before, it was like really the live journal community that kind of created a buzz about us. Like um, some fan fiction writers and stuff just started mentioning yeah. us and, and that kind of took off. And all of a sudden, like, you know, I had a $400 web uh, bandwidth charge, you know, <laughs> for the, the right. for the month. <laughs> and now you guys are on Trivial so. Pursuit cards. 
Oh, <laughs> you man. You want to tell this story? Yeah. I guess we've come a long <laughs> way in the last few yeah. years. We we got on a... It's, that's the most incredible thing that's happened mm-hmm. to us, I think, is... Uh, just a couple, just a couple weeks ago, somebody sent in a a JPEG, and it was a photograph of a Trivial Pursuit card from mm-hmm. Sweden. And uh, the question reads, um, "What do brothers Paul and Joe de George call themselves when they that rock is amazing. out?" And uh, yeah, the, what the most amazing thing is, there's not even like a context right. clue there. You <laughs> right. know, they're just assuming that Joe and I are household names right. in Sweden, right. <laughs> which I think is kind of an outrageous uh. assumption. Um, I think it's it's probably considered a difficult yeah. question in the game. That's like something you would expect for like Bruce Springsteen. I know you guys are big Springsteen fans, yeah, right? <laughs> like <laughs> you too, or something. But yeah, that's awesome. That that is so cool. <laughs> I, I wonder. I thought. I bet you guys would love to see some reactions of people playing that game, being like Paul to George. What? I know, right? It'd be amazing. <laughs> Hopefully, somebody's going to send us the card. I think the girl who notified us is going to send us the actual card so we can okay, frame yeah, it up. Of course. You know. That's the kind of that's the kind of thing you don't even dare to dream about. Like, you know, what kids what kind of jerky kid says like someday I want to be on a trivial <laughs> right. pursuit card, you know? Like what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean now today there are literally hundreds of wizard rock bands out there. And yeah, my last count was four t- oh four hundred count. Where do you count? Well, no, I, I just look up on uh, okay. Wizardrockopedia <laughs> and then Draw, then I copy the entire band list and into oh, Excel good sheet idea. and put <laughs> that count for me. That's a good idea, actually. <laughs> uh, so there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of Wizard Rock, man. Well, it's incredible. Do, do you have any thoughts about this? I mean, just just how it's grown so much since you guys started this. Um, I'm sure you. I'm sure you're supportive of all these bands. It really, it's like it's it, how I see it is. It's a great way for anyone interested in music but doesn't know how to get really noticed. It's a great place to start because there's all these Harry Potter fans that are dying to just try out all these new bands. Yeah, well, uh, you know, honestly, um, the the way I think of it is like it's it's almost like the beginnings of punk rock. You know, like the whole thing about punk rock is that it's the kind of music that anybody can play. And you know, there's these stories about people just like you know grabbing guitars and and drums and bass for the first time and just playing songs you know whatever came to mind like bashing it out on a mm-hmm. few chords <laughs> and and that's kind of like what i see in wizard rock is these kids they're so pumped and amped on harry potter that they're just looking for another way to sort of express that love and that passion yeah and so they're grabbing instruments and starting bands for the first time and it's it's really wonderful and and the cool thing about it is it allows for such a um, diversity of of music out there. You know, there really is like something for everybody in the Wizard Rock community. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of stuff out there, um, and there's there's plenty of like, uh, you know, it, it gets as abrasive or as pop friendly as you want it to be. You know, there's like, you know, a metal band in Holland playing songs about songs about <laughs> Voldemort. You know, and it's like. There's right. black metal and there's yeah. like ultra pop, yeah. ultra poppy stuff, you know, and dance pop, and yeah, all that, and and so it's all there, and uh, that's the that's the most amazing thing to me is is what a kind of diverse and welcoming community it's become, where kids feel free to really experiment and try things out, and uh, the the unreal thing is that there's such a there's there's a community there yeah. for them to do it with and to get that feedback and support from, whereas um, if it was a dis- different situation, you know, maybe these kids are only 
like recording in their bedroom and playing cassettes for their friends or something. I mean, that's that's po- possibly right. what this would have been like right. ten years ago. But with the advent of technology and MySpace, you know, it's it's so easy for a band to become instantly legitimized by MySpace. You know, you just throw up a profile and all of a sudden you have a band. You throw up a profile <laughs> exactly. and a song and you're a band. Officially. MySpace, create a new account. <laughs> Boom, you're done. Yeah, ten <laughs> minutes. You got a band yeah. for real. <laughs> MySpace really is the. Uh, where every wizard rock band is, right? I mean, wh- well, why yeah. why does everyone go to MySpace? Just because they have a, it's just great to host your songs and all um, that. Or? Well, the thing about MySpace is, and, and it's not just wizard rock bands anymore. I mean, oh, as yeah. far as like the music industry, like it's where everybody like. If you're going to a concert and you're like, who's the opening band? They're like, oh, I don't know, you know, whoever. You're just like, oh, I'll go check out their MySpace. Because you know that if you go to their MySpace, you can listen to their songs, you know? And then, uh, you know, you might have, if you say went to their website, then maybe you'd have to dig around in their website to find their songs and listen to them. But you just go to MySpace and the songs are right there and you just listen real quick. Yeah. And so it's that sort of accessibility of the music, I think, that's made MySpace so prevalent in, in, uh, our habits yeah. nowadays. That's interesting. I mean, and then all your fans can comment on them. And do you guys, do you guys base, like, I've always figured this. I don't know if this is how you guys think of it, but do you guys base the popularity of all the bands based on how many friends each of you have? Because, I mean, if you just, like, look at the list, you know, like, you, you guys have, like, a gazillion friends and then everyone's lower from there. <laughs> how do you guys, do you guys yeah. base popularity or does it not really matter? Well, I don't, I, you know, I don't ever measure anything by popularity, mm-hmm. you know, that's not really a concern of mine. So, uh, I just think that, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really have any comment on that, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't even, it's not even something I think about, like, who cares what's popular? Just find what you like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Now, um, all right. I guess we'll talk about Wizard Rock EP of the Month Club now. This is yeah. This is your big thing. You started it last year. Now you got uh, Matt Majacomo from the Whomping Willows helping you out. What is the Wizard Rock EP of the Month Club? Um, well, the the whole idea behind the EP of the Month Club was that it's sort of modeled after like these old record clubs where you would join up, like Sub Pop. You know, the record label used to run a Sub Pop Singles Club. And, uh, you know, they, they would release, they started in the early eighties and actually like, you know, the first Nirvana single was released through the sub pop singles club Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that. Um, but the idea was you sign up for a year and it, and it costs like 50 or 60 bucks. And every month you get a new record in the mail. It's a seven inch, you know, back when records were, were cool. Right. Um, (laughs) and, uh, so uh, it's sort of modeled after that idea and, um, what we did last year was we, we got together, or I got together, um, 12 bands that I thought, you know, was, a, was a good sampling of, of bands in, in the wizard rock community at the time. Yeah. And there was, at the time there was far less than 400. I think there was like a hundred or so. And so I just, I just picked a bunch of people who I thought would be fun to work with. And, um, over the course of the year, we released 12 different CDs, um, you know, and, uh, People who subscribe to the club would would get a couple CDs at a time in the mail, and uh, and we had stuff from from you know like Harry and the Potters released a CD and and Drake on the Malfoys and the Parcel Mouths yeah. and the Remus Lupins and and so all these bands were contributing um, CDs worth of material like usually between five and ten songs um, that were all made just for this club you know they were all exclusive CDs and we pressed um, a thousand copies of them. 
and sold about 750 subscriptions, and each band got a couple hundred copies that they could sell on their merch table. Um, but otherwise, all the money from the subscriptions went to um, a organization called First Book, which is uh, a national nonprofit that donates um, new books to children from low-income families. So it's just oh, a, wow. you know trying to promote um, literacy at an early age in, in communities where kids don't often have access to that sort of thing. You yeah, know? right. Um, think of the joy, you know, as as a little kid, how pumped you are or were when you got a new book or, or like mom brought home something new to read to you at bed or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the whole idea behind what they do. Um, and they're, they're, they've been a great organization to work with. Um, and so uh, in 2007, we, we had the club and we sold subscriptions and eventually the, the club sold out. We sold over 750 subscriptions and so far um, we've raised over $13,000 for first book wow, through, that is through subscription sales. Yeah. And, um, and this year we're doing it again with a whole new group of bands. Um, Harry and the Potters are kind of staying on as a flagship, I guess. Of course. So we'll be re- we'll be releasing another um, CD this year through the club and all new music uh, too. All new music. Wow, yep. sweet. Handful. Yeah, Joe and I, we had a really fun time with it last year where Joe and I kind of like set aside a weekend yeah. and kind of wrote and recorded all the songs that weekend. <laughs> cool. Um, cool. Like as fast as we could. Yeah. And, and we came up with like 14 songs and I think our CD is just under 14 minutes, you know. So it's really, <laughs> really, really a, a quick thrill ride uh-huh. of uh, Wizard Rock. <laughs> cool. Um, but it's it was super fun for us to do and uh, I had a blast sort of overseeing the club and, you know, yeah. helping each band, like, put their CD together, like, the artwork and all that. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the so albums are really cool. They're nice nice and organized. I mean, you have that certain yeah. theme going on with each album cover. It was really nice. Right. We tried to have it, uh, give it, like, a sort of consistent feel. Yeah. So it, it feels like you're getting, like, at the end of, at the, end of the year, um, you have a collection. You have 12 CDs that all go together in some way. And uh, we'll be doing that again this year. Uh, we have a different artist on board uh, to handle, like, the overall look of the club. And it's going to okay, look really cool. cool. It's going to look, you know, really wonderful. I've been working with them for the past few days on, on getting stuff together for this year. Sweet. Um, and uh, this year I've got um, Matt Majacomo on board, and he's kind of helping. We, we've been throwing ideas around for, um, you know, and, and we kind of picked out the bands together. And we've mm-hmm. got a, a great new troop of bands and uh you know if people uh, well i should i should mention who the bands are um <laughs> so that people can get excited but yeah. um matt matt's band the whomping willows will obviously be contributing an ep and and rumor on the street is that uh it's gonna be um the big wompy ep so uh Matt's sort of been teasing everyone with um, certain big, wompy, like, hip-hop-style tracks for the past few years. Nice. And yeah. <laughs> uh, this time he's going to make do on a whole EP's worth, so that's going to be pretty exciting. Awesome. His shows and, are always uh, fun. I regret to say I haven't been to a Harry, Harry and the Potter show yet, but um, the Whomping Willows, <laughs> Matt, Matt's a really fun guy. He's just playing there with his acoustic guitar. He really interacts with the crowd. Yeah, but, yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Just had okay. to say. Uh, yeah, no problem. You'll have to come see us sometime, mm-hmm. Andrew. I'll put you on the guest list at the library. Yes. That doesn't actually exist. <laughs> uh, those Didn't shows are so, It's a public library. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so we got the Whomping Willows and um, Gred and Forge 
okay. which is uh, this guy Jared from North Carolina. I'm really excited about him. He's he actually uh, just put out one of my favorite Wizard Rock CDs, uh, which is called Half the Band I Used to Be, which is both a brilliant title and cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a brilliant album. Really fun, like poppy, punky stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, think of, think of like really awesome Green Day songs. Uh, okay. That's the kind of, cool. that's the kind of stuff Jared's doing with Gret and Forge. Uh-huh. Um, we've got Catch Love, which is, uh, you know, our favorite, one of our favorite wizard rock activists. Jace is an awesome dude and he's, uh, all about promoting good causes and, and that sort of thing. He sort of uses, uses his band Catch Love as a forum for, um, Darfur awareness, which I think is incredibly wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Um, He's he's become a really great member of the Harry Potter Alliance and stuff. Um, and we've got the Hermione Crookshanks experience from uh, California, and a couple a couple really fun acts. We've got um, Tom Riddle and friends, who are these two hilarious dudes from uh, the Cincinnati area. I think um, they're just kind of like the way Matt described them to me was he said they're like. Um, if Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson started a band about, uh, you know, from from Voldemort's perspective, uh-huh. <laughs> which is really hilarious, yeah, uh, I totally totally suggest checking those guys out. Their their MySpace has some really fun stuff on it. Um, and, um, and I have the, the giant here, the giant want. squid. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going off the top of my head. But okay. We got the giant squid stravaganza. He's a really pro environmentalist. Um, wizard rock, sort of in the same lines as you know, the Whomping Willow is uh, pretty heavy on the environmental stuff, and yeah. uh, so is a giant squid. He likes to plug that. Um, he's got some good stuff planned for sure. Cool. Um, uh, the Nifflers. Yeah, the Nifflers, Canada's first representatives in the Wizard Rock Club. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're they're. I'm I'm such a sucker for like these um sibling duos, you know, like yeah. Draco and the Malfoys and uh, the Nifflers are a brother sister duo uh, from the Toronto area. Super nice folks. Gryffindor common room rejects. Yeah, oh man. They're great too. <laughs> uh they're they're like a pair of high school girls who uh produce um really cool lo fi like um punk rock on like keyboards and stuff like that it's really really fun stuff okay cool. um they, they kind of remind me of of our band where we would just like hit play on one of the keyboard demos and then record a quick song over it you know <laughs> it's just like that nice and, and easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and really fun too and yeah and uh oh, we got justin finch fletchley uh the hufflepuff representative um He's uh he's he's actually one of uh, Matt's old friends from the way back. Um, he's tight in that that circle of uh, the Woonsocket Wizard Rockers. Oh, okay, you know? <laughs> Woonsocket, Rhode Island representing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and I think the last oh the Mudbloods they're they're from yes. uh, Texas area. They're they're fantastic. I really love their stuff. Um, just great indie rock sound and stuff and and they've got a great attitude you know yeah um that's kind of try to pick bands that we really were thought would be both fun to work with and had like a really great positive attitude that reflected um what we like best about wizard rock yeah it all seems they're very they're all very into uh they're supportive of the idea of raising money since yeah well exactly um you know that's that's the whole thing behind the club that's the the end result like we both want it to be super fun to yeah. people 
um, who are subscribers. And I mean, we think it, it is because, you know, over the course of the year, if you subscribe, you're going to get 12 CDs, you know, and, and those 12 CDs are only coming to you and a few, few other hundred people in the world. Right. You know, they're made just for you. And I think there's something cool behind that. Um, and then at the end of the day, you know, I, the club costs 60 bucks. Um, and I know that's like kind of a lot of money. But at the same time, you're getting 12 CDs, so it's like five bucks a disc. Right, yeah. And they're all mailed to you. It's very convenient. They show up at your home mm-hmm. once every few months. And then uh, and then we're going to raise, through it, we're going to raise a ton of money. And this year, we're sort of expanding it. We're hoping to sell a few more subscriptions this year and maybe raise like almost twice as much money as we did last year. And, okay. Um, the money this year is going to go to First Book again, and we're also... Um, throwing some money over the, to the Harry Potter Alliance's way. That's great. Because uh, yeah. this is going to be a big year for the HP Alliance. Oh, definitely. Cool st- Especially with Joe's cool backing now. Playing. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, what a wonderful what a wonderful comments she made about the HP Alliance yeah, recently. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And so everybody everybody at the HP Alliance is super pumped about that and, and just feel like this is this is the time to really reach out to the Harry Potter community and and really catalyze them and really do something special together. And, yeah, definitely. And that's I think that's part of why um, Joe's excited about it and part of why the fandom is so excited about it is because it has this momentum to it. Mm-hmm. And you know the more the more people who are on board, like the the better the stuff we can do with it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So sounds like a good deal to me. Getting twelve CDs <laughs> each with a few songs. What five to ten songs? You would say? Yeah, or? typically typically five to ten songs from each band. It's great. Okay, and cool. Those are just for you, just for you, Wizard Rock fans. Yeah, and they look great. They come in. Uh, they come professionally packaged and designs and all that. Oh, right? Yeah, it's, it's so no rinky dink operation. <laughs> it's, there's no CDR <laughs> from Walmart. This is the real deal. <laughs> Oh yeah, we uh, you know they they'll go to pressing plants. I get them. I have a roommate who's a sound engineer, and he does all the mastering, so they sound great. Oh good, um, good. and they look great, and the bands are all great. So you know, check it out. We've got a website uh, that you can subscribe from, which is wizardrockclub.com. And uh, you can you can totally check out more info on all the bands there, and and read more about what we're about. Um, Cool. But the, you know, the gist of it is, is we're having fun with Wizard Rock, and we've got a bunch of great bands involved, and we're we're raising money for some really great causes, yeah. and uh, that that really sort of encapsulates to me what Riz- Wizard Rock is about. You know, it's about this idea that um, we're going to have a lot of fun together, and we're going to you know um, put smiles on people's faces, and and try and do some good in the world too. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's great. And you, and you guys, the the whole Wizard Rock community has a great sense of just togetherness and it's like one big family it's 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 great what you guys have all created together well you know it kind of stems from the whole harry potter fan community actually like i don't think it's unique at all to wizard rock what it is is it's really the harry potter community oh yeah absolutely that's that's unique in that way you know yeah um so i mean yeah and wizard rock the bands help each other out and all that but when you look at the harry potter community as a whole it's such a welcoming place you know yeah and there's there's so many people who contribute to that, you know, like you guys at MuggleNet are such a major part of that and bringing people together, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure you you guys must hear testimonials all the time, like you know, these people met their best friends ever, like oh, through MuggleNet. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And it's such a it's such a wonderful thing, and and um, it's so cool to to hear those stories and realize that 
Well, not only have these books changed people's lives in such a significant way, but it's really like they've created this community and these people are continuing to interact and, and be such a tremendously positive force um, in each other's lives. And now through through things like Wizard Rock and the Harry Potter Alliance are taking that to the next level where we're branching outside the community yeah. of of Harry Potter fans and like getting out into the real world and and doing some really cool stuff Absolutely. even outside the fan community. Yeah. There's quite a few examples of that yeah. in our fandom. So it's great. And I mean if if anyone listening if you've never been to a Wizard Rock show, I highly recommend a Wizard Rock show with a few bands all coming together to play or even just one by themselves. I mean, they're always a lot of fun and like Paul was saying, you know, you guys you guys were impressed by some people singing your songs. I mean, now it's like all these people who come out to the shows are always singing along and dancing and just having a great time. Yeah, it really is really is something special and unique, you know, and and pure. So I would definitely advise anyone to go check out a Wizard Rock show in your area because um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on and you're bound you're bound to have a good time. You know you're gonna you're gonna leave smiling. It's I've never had any sort of like real negative experience at one of these shows. Oh you no, know? everybody <laughs> everybody goes with such a positive attitude. Yeah, and, definitely. And when I think about like the time I wasted at, at like other boring concerts where people go and they like stand with their arms crossed and they, it's almost like they go to like tear a band apart, you know, like this band sucked or that band sucked. But like wizard rock is a total antithesis, antithesis of that where people are going because they want to have a good time. They want to see people. They want to have fun. They want to get dressed up, whatever, you know, it's a great time with all their friends and you meet new friends there. It's, it's just wonderful. Absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> well, um, is there anything else you wanted to bring up or should we wrap this up? Oh, well, uh, you know, I, earlier before we started recording, we mentioned that, uh, oh, back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> um, I think it was, uh, early 2005. So mm-hmm. about three years ago, um, Harry and the Potters, we were, we were kind of working with MuggleNet loosely, uh, for a, a book six launch event. Um, and that's when I, I started interacting with some of your staffers, I think. Yeah. And, uh, at the time, uh, I, I don't know if, if it was one of, one of your guys' ideas or one, or mine, but I, I, I put together a, a MuggleNet theme song, <laughs> which, which we never officially recorded, but which I did send, send into, uh, the MuggleNet circle. So yeah. I think now it, now it's time for the official premiere of that. Absolutely. Uh, that theme song. Three I'm, years I'm gonna, later. Three <laughs> years later. It's premiere. <laughs> Um, we'll dig up the demo and you can premiere it on this, this muggle, muggle cast. Here. I, it's not a muggle cast theme, but no. you know, muggle net close enough. I, actually, I could, you could, you could just overdub me. Like, yeah. Ready? Here's, here's the clip. Muggle cast. So you can overdub that at the end. <laughs> muggle cast. Okay. Muggle well, we'll, cast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have two versions of the muggle net and muggle cast and we'll just there like you rearrange go. your words and all that. <laughs> so, no, but, uh, all right. So let's play the clip now. We'll post the news And your magic-hungry muggle eyes Will devour every word Trying to pacify your appetite For boy-wizard-related things How can there be so much Harry Potter news? MuggleNet <laughs> Yeah, uh, awesome. Brings back memories <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, cool. yeah, well <laughs> That's great. That's great, Paul. 
we thank you so much for making that. I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll no, get some feedback. No about problem. It. I remember no over. I guess maybe it was summer 2005 or su- summer 2006. Ben was always singing that song left and right. That nice. That opportunity. I, I, it's glad to. Know, it's glad to know that it kind of lived on within the um, yeah. MuggleNet uh, staff. Yeah, you know, even though mm-hmm. it never made its way public until now. Yeah, I almost forgot about premiere. it until you brought it up before we started recording. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Cool. All right, well, Paul DeGeorge, thank you so much for joining us today on well, MuggleCast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Andrew, for having me. And uh, No problem. We'll uh, check out your MySpace, myspace.com slash Harry and the Potters. And also, um, you're, you're in our new Wizard Rock section. You wrote up a lengthy interview for us, so thanks for doing that. <laughs> I, yeah, I went I went kind of crazy on it. I had a, lo- a lot of time on a bus ride, so I just... No, it's great. It's uh, great. Went ballistic on your interview questions. <laughs> well, it's all good. I'm sure everyone cool. will be enjoying that. All Great. right, Paul. Thanks very much. Thanks, Andrew. We'll talk to you again all soon. Right. That was um, that was Paul DeGeorge of Harry and the Potters. He's like he's like Harry Potter himself, practically. He's like just as popular. He's kind of a big thing. He's yeah. He's sort of a somebody in the Wizard Rock world. I'll put it that way. I really like what he's doing with the uh, Wizard AP of the month. I really like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, we talked about. And this week we're just going to try one chapter, uh, chapter 13, the Muggleborn Registration Commission. We feel like there's a lot to talk about with this uh, chapter and the next one following it. So next week might be one chapter too. I don't know. Heck, we could be going to summer. I hope not, but <laughs> <laughs> not weekly anyway. Yeah, well, but, um, all right, so let's we'll jump see. right into it. I mean, this, this is the, epi- ep- the episode. This is the chapter where, um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione inf- infiltrate the ministry, and, uh, Harry goes into Umbridge's office and searches for the locket, of course, to no avail, and they actually end, do end up getting the locket in one of the coolest scenes so far in this book, and probably one of my favorite scenes in the book, uh, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. So they've actually infiltrated the ministry in the in the previous chapter, but they're just stepping off the elevator. Um, in the beginning of the chapter, Umbridge uh, recognizes Hermione, who is Mafalda Hopkirk, and uh, so Harry steps off the elevator, and Umbridge gets on the elevator, and Harry is confronted with Pius, for, uh, or by Pius Thickness, who is under the Imperius curse. Um, do you do we know who Imperius? Uh, Pius, is that Voldemort, like, directly in Because this Presumably is the Minister of Magic. Presumably it would be Voldemort. No, no, I believe I it was Draco. The was... Yeah, they stated no, that someone yeah. was supposed to do that at the beginning. I don't remember who. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was Yaxley, because we were introduced to Yaxley in the very beginning of the book, and he taught, and, uh, I believe Voldemort talks to Yaxley about what's the progress with the Ministry. Okay. And he's like, we have thickness under our control. We have thickness under our control. Oh, right, yeah. So I believe it's Yaxley, um, especially considering, you know, that would be great to build this character up because he's yeah. kind of new in the seventh book and yeah. he's the one that did this. I don't Yaxley's, know. That's just what I remember Yaxley's from reading, guys. Yaxley's making a bang. Well, I, I was just thinking in that scene, it'd be so funny if 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 uh, Harry turned to him and said, you know, I'm Harry Potter and just watch him, like, flip out. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, no, no, actually... Yeah, actually, go again. Like honestly, I want to see. You know, who's Harry in person? He's Rancor. What's his name? R- Runcorn. Runcorn. Yeah. Runcorn. 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 And he's like this high up Death Eater person. Yeah. I would love for Harry. Like when Harry and Ron are in the in the you know elevator with Arthur, it'd just be like Arthur. It's me, Harry, and this is Ron, and just like totally see like Arthur Weasley just flip out and go like, "What are you doing here?" It'd be amazing. Because like yeah. you know. 
Yeah. Harry yeah. feels bad the entire time in that scene. I agree. Well, that's like, what, that's what Joe's so good at writing though, is these scenes, you know, like you really have to admire Joe for writing this, uh, just how she did, because it's like, you, you, you almost want to reach out to the characters you're seeing in peril, you know, like Arthur Weasley getting intimidated and stuff. And it's just, I like how it all plays out. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It's a, uh, it, it's one of these. This book, like I think I stated a long time ago, is this book is one of those things where I was mad at it throughout the entire reading because it's like I wanted them to do something and they weren't doing it or they want – I was like talking to the book and obviously, you know, it's not going to respond because it's a book. But <laughs> I think it talked back once, but that might have been dream or – no sleep or something. Half asleep but. while reading it. Yeah, yeah. That does it sometimes. Yeah, right before Harry uh, goes into Umbridge's office, there's that group of uh, wizards and witches folding papers, which turn out to be the ministry pamphlets with a yeah. flower strangling another flower on it. <laughs> what did you guys think of that? That pure blood pamphlet mania crap? I thought uh, I, it sort of reminded me of like some like telemarketer office or something like. <laughs> We're all just grouped together and doing the same thing over and over again. I don't know yeah. if Joe's trying to draw another parallel to something within the government. <laughs> or, yeah, well, I don't know. Just just the idea that they were magicking pamphlets together. What are they? What would they use to magic pamphlets? Because pamphlets can be made quite easily by just folding paper. But they were like magically waving their wands, and I know it's a mute see, point, but I don't see the point in doing that because they have paper folders. I used to use one in the job I used to work at. You put like a, a stack of papers in, and then it folds it three ways, and it comes out like a toaster. You just stick it in oh, the envelope. Cool. Yeah. Let Where do you get Yeah, but see, the problem is Office Max. <laughs> Office Max. Easy. Actually, Staples. <laughs> I prefer Staples. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. I prefer Staples, my friend. <laughs> but uh, but but you know, it's one of those things, though. But like, even if they do have paper folders, Andrew, like really, this is a Wizarding World. We've seen them kind of. Uh, Turn down, you know, short of the students, we've seen them turn down jeans and t-shirts as daily wear to wear cloaks. So obviously going to Staples, that was easy and, uh, get a paper folder. They're probably just going to use their wand because it's free. Yeah. So. They can't be bothered. They can't be bothered, Andrew. Plus the ministry needs to create jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Economy. Good for the economy. About the, um, the picture with the red rose being strangled by a green weed being mean and evil-like. Do you guys see that? It's kind of like propaganda. Like people oh, do. Yeah. It's yeah. propaganda. Oh, yeah. And it's, I yeah, think it's Umbridge still drew it, too. Though. Umbridge, drew, Umbridge could have been responsible for that drawing, actually. That's what I think Joe hinted at, because she said when Harry took a look at that, uh, he didn't know who drew it, but the scars on the back of his hand tingled again. As they had yeah. previously. So I thought it was a good comparison too, because you know, roses are represented as you know, the most beautiful, most prestigious flowers of the group and Yeah. Th- that would represent like Weeds. pure blood. I thought that was Yeah, nice. that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, but I think this also the fact that like seeing a room of them folding it also lies in line with like the pamphlet, like of what, you know, the ministry has done previously about like how to like protect them and everything like that. I remember like I believe it was like Haplet Prince and Harry's like I received a pamphlet from the ministry and Dumbledore asked, you know, and what did you think of it? It was like it's pretty useless. And that's <laughs> kind of what I think yeah. we're kind of seeing that these are pretty useless because they're propaganda and we see them as propaganda because that's what the ministry does because they're kind of useless already. So the yeah, eye the, 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 the eye nailed to the door or you know attached to the door. Guys, this is this is this is sick. This is sick. It's, 
it's one of those classic umbrage moments that I really was missing from Order of the Phoenix, because, like, like I've said so many times before, it, Order of the Phoenix gave me so much anger because of umbrage, and that you see... You see Mad-Eye's eye just framed up there like a trophy prize. It's... It's... I mean... It's being used, but it's still disgusting and wrong. Well, it, it confirms that. Yeah. It confirms the fact that we know what ha- who got to Mad Eye's body first, too. That's oh yeah, good point. But I think the what the, what the biggest question that came up to me when I heard when I read this was, where did Mad Eye get that magical eye? Then, if it's so unique that they're taking it versus just creating their own or getting their own, where yeah. did he get this magical eye? But I think Umbridge wanted it, it to just from? to. I'm sure she was happy that Mad Eye died, so. And I mean, they. I'm they sure she was there too. She it. probably took it when they were examining his body. Yeah, yeah. Considering she uh, takes the locket. Yeah, too. She's just taking. Yeah, she stuff. gets out and about a lot. <laughs> yeah, Umbridge gets around. She goes to mm. yard sales and everything. <laughs> hey, for all you guys know, she could have gotten that eye at a yard sale. But realistically, yeah, that just confirms that the Ministry got to Mad-Eye's body. <laughs> yeah. How unfortunately. So, I don't know. It, it, Harry walks into when Harry walks into her office and he sees that her office is pretty much the same as it was when it was at Hogwarts. I can't wait to see that in the movie. That's when, so um, funny. Yeah, because yeah. like the whole time I was reading that scene, I was like, okay, time to bring the plates back out of the prop room. Like, yeah, because yeah. time to get uh, another photo shoot of the cats and everything. Right. Well, hopefully. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're happy that about that because now they. They know what to do for her office at the ministry. <laughs> Same yeah. exact thing. It's easy too because he Same says exactly. it's almost exactly like it was in the in the fifth story. So they really don't have to change right. anything. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually kind of freaked out um, rereading it because after I had seen the movie with all those cats now versus like what I was envisioning before when I read the fifth book. Now, like when I read it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's all these cats on the walls!" And I just started. It's so the it's so surreal. And I, like it's so creepy. Yeah. It's so like yeah. yeah. Meow. Yeah, yeah. scratching. Uh, sorry, I'm freaking out. I still just think of the cat plates they had in the bathrooms at the <laughs> premiere party. I know, and, oh and they God. would meow and stuff. That was really funny. Yeah. I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah, such a nice. So touch. do I. Uh, I didn't go. So, well, not not to uh, have some insight talk even more, but another amazing thing about that after party is they had an indoor area, and there are portraits on the walls with, but they were like plasma TV screens with, with yeah. portrait borders around them, and it was like moving wizards and stuff. It was so cool. Was, yeah, that whole thing was pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Sucks you guys weren't there. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys had fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you guys had a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. Well, Laura is the one who took a picture with Rupert. So. I did. It's on my that Facebook. That was very exciting. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> so as as I'm if too afraid as, to do that. But anyway. <laughs> so as if the uh as if the shockingness, as if the chapter couldn't get any more shocking. Um Harry uh, unsuccessfully uh searches for the for the locket unsuccessfully um in her office and well, actually, guys, you want to talk about that decoy detonator? Because one of my f- my favorite line in the chapter comes just as Harry is exiting Umbridge's office. Yeah. Can we jump to the favorite segment here quickly? Uh, my, I guess so. Yeah. 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 My favorite favorite line in this chapter is uh, they're they're discussing the uh, diversion that Harry created from the decoy detonator, and they say, uh, "I bet it sneaked up here from experimental charms. They're so careless. Remember that poisonous duck." <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree because it's one of those things where it's like it also shows how like lax and like ridiculous you know the, the office the life is. You know, like remember that poisonous duck that was up here? Yeah, those, those silly experimental charm people. There. 
<laughs> poisonous really duck. Yeah. So, um, but but peep, guys, there, the ministry is sicking Dementors on the Muggleborns. They are, which was very sad. But yeah. at the same time, it was, it was definitely the coolest scene. Should we should we jump to that now? Well, actually, yeah. we, there, there's something I put in here. There's something I put in there that goes along with what Eric was saying. Uh, before we get to that down, before we get down at the uh, bottom of the elevator, guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, is Eric brought up about the exploding of the decoy, and and that we know that's from the twins, and and then Harry and Ron are in the uh, elevator, and Arthur Weasley shows up, and Arthur tells Ron, not knowing that's Ron, how to stop the rain in the in the Axley's office. Yeah. How how is, my my greatest question is how does Arthur Weasley know actually know exactly the spell? Do you think it's the Order of the Phoenix like making rain clouds in the in the offices? I, oh, no, if no, no, anything, it's Fred and George's said, stuff. No, he he said he knew that uh, he knew that spell because it worked for the other guy that that had rain in his. Yeah, office. but that just seems way too convenient. That seems way too convenient that he just happens to know it off the top of his head. Well, what's, I what, think there's something along there where they're tossing rain cloud, you know, frisbees or something in there, making rain clouds in all the offices of the Death Eaters. It, it's it's very Fred and George ish though, like what they yeah, did. In, in yeah, Louis that's what that's what I agree with the swamp in the Great Hall or wherever it was. That's true. Yeah. Except swamp in the hallway. I, just because how close they're watching Arthur Weasley, I think it's unlikely that he'd be involved in it. But it it, it is very prankish. I think it's yeah. It's yeah, a, I guess I can see it not being Arthur, but I think Arthur knows exactly who's doing it and what's going. I, I can really see it being like a Fred and George thing where they snuck and go, "Dad, just let these go," and like him doing it nonchalantly and it just goes to where they need to go. Or because I because that's just amazing. Like, come on, a rain cloud. What stuns me is that the the raining office is floored Ron. I mean, he when when Hermione was mentioning suggestions, uh, you know, finiti incantatum and or or just impervious on all stuff this was these were all spells that that ron had been you know learned at hogwarts for years and he was just uh completely sort of unable to grasp the concept he was fiddling in his pockets for for a quill you know to to, to write down the spells and uh ron is just completely stumped by this by this reigning office when hermione told him the spells to use and he he just well we really know ron's that. reaction time isn't as quick as the rest of them i mean he doesn't have yeah. very quick reactions no, I know. He yeah, mm-hmm. but it's also one of those things where, remember, it, it, it's, what was it? Who was it? It was, yeah, again, the actually said, you know, fix the office and I might go easier on your wife. Yeah. And again, it's Ron's like, I need to do this because I don't want an innocent person, you know, right. being oh, you're killed. Right. He's getting freaked So, so it's like, so one, Ron is under pressure and stuff like that. I, I think you guys kind of picked on Ron a little too much because I like him. But, uh, under pressure. No, but it's one of those things. Yeah. Under pre- No, anyway. But no, it, it's one of those things where, Ron definitely is put on pressure. And I think Harry, you know, even Hermione has problems under pressure. We see that coming up in a second. I'll bring it up again. But Harry is the only one that really does really well under pressure. Fire, but there's no wood. Are you a witch or not? (laughs) Well, no, it's also the same thing. It's like, you know, there's, you know, again, like there's, you know, Dementors all around. And Hermione can't cast a Patronus. It's the only problem. It's the only spell she's ever had problems with. It's yeah. like, still, it's like you're under pressure. I work better under and pressure. Speaking of Nazi so parallels, speaking of Nazi parallels, there's a really good line in here when uh, Joe is illustrating that uh, Umbridge's Patronus is keeping the Dementor's cold sort of uh, effects from reaching the uh, prosecutors, and it, it's a line that says. Uh, th- that morbid feeling, you know, that 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 dismal 
um, existence was for the accused, right. not the well, accusers. Well, that's in the next chapter, isn't it? N- no, no, that's no, in this no. chapter. That's in this chapter because sure? they're in the uh, chamber. Um, so we're yeah. we're there we, now. We're, we're going now. Uh, we're moving down. Arthur Weasley just told Ron how to get, and we're going down into and Harry Percy Weasley. Really Percy cloak. Weasley's on the oh. elevator. He's off the elevator, and oh, and Arthur tells off Harry. Yeah, Arthur tells off Harry, and Harry puts on the invisibility cloak, and boom, they're down in the courtroom. So that's where we're at. I was very surprised by Arthur Weasley's uh, attitude there, because I don't think that's the first. I think that's the first time we've really seen him act like that. Of course, he's not. He doesn't know it's Harry, but still, I I was kind of surprised by how I, how mean he was. Pleasantly surprised. I wasn't though. though. They're not pushovers. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're it is a my family, key. and they. What? It's, uh, he's been hanging around, uh, undesirable number one too much, you know? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. He's Those were cool names. Now, is it me, or is that title just. It's, it's the coolest title in the world. Uncreative. I like it. I, I don't it, like it at all. You know, who has not. See, I want to start a wizard rock band. I've been thinking about it for a long time. And I'm going to call, before someone else does, I want to call myself undesirable number one. Because it's, because well, it means. You, because it's just another nickname for Harry Potter, but it's—I don't think it's taken. So that is a really good name, but I think you just—you just, you you just, just blew, it. blew it. You gotta, you gotta. Oh, yeah. but guys, yeah. didn't you know me and Eric started that band last week? Oh, so oh Eric, okay. Undesirable yeah, yeah, number yeah, one yeah, is me and you, doing. right? Yeah, that's yeah, how totally. it is. All you gotta do yeah. is Paul and I discussed in the interview. All you gotta do is just create a new MySpace page and boom, you have a band. You're done. So just create yes. the band real quick and. We should. Let's do it right before that episode now comes on, out. Guys, it, you're, you're listening to History in the Making. Undesirable number one is getting an email at Gmail right now and uh, a MySpace page in the next one. Mikey, if you could Sweet. do that, I'd love you forever. Actually, I would let you do it because I'm actually looking at my bills right now. No, no, I'm that's sorry. okay. Just don't get done. Okay, giving that name up for the for the public. <laughs> Undesirable number one. Yes. Make it. <laughs> make it and then just give Eric credit for the name because yeah. it's yeah. awesome. Hey, All right, hey, guys, well, let's keep moving along yeah, here. Can I say something? Because sure. we kind of passed it, and I, I'm not. I really hate going back, but uh, I think this is a pivotal, uh, one of the pivotal points in the chapter when Harry looks at the book by Rita Skeeter about the life and lies of Albus Dumbledore. Oh, you're right. And it has like it has has a picture of Dumbledore holding um who, who I believe isn't it isn't it Dumbledore? He says it could be Armando Dippet. But uh, no, Dodge. He, he, he Dodge. Dodge. Dumbledore's Dumbledore's there, and he says it, it could be he, it could be Dodge. He's holding. I th- I kind of thought it was like Grindelwald or something. Um, I I think it's either talked. I don't think it'd be Grindelwald in that picture though. See, it depends on what picture. Like, but the one in the book. Yeah. I don't know if it's. What made you think it was Grindelwald? Yeah, I don't know because he was just holding his arm around him, looking really happy, and Grindelwald and him used to be really good oh, friends. What are you trying to say? Well, it couldn't have been, couldn't have been his brother. They were lovers. Uh, I don't know. Were they lovers? No, they weren't. No, lovers, they weren't. But <laughs> Dumbledore loved it, him. You know what else is funny? Rita Skeeter. It said from the same author as Armando Dippet. Uh, what was it? Moron <laughs> or, or something? Um, yeah, something like that. Master yeah. or moron. It was pretty funny. So let's get to the chamber now, uh, in the courtroom. Harry, Harry's there with his invisibility cloak, scares Hermione by saying, I'm behind you. Um, this, I love this scene. I think this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Umbridge is explaining that the locket belongs to her ancestors, and that just sends Harry through the roof. I can't, I really cannot wait to yeah. see this scene. Because, <laughs> um, Laura, yeah. what, what do you think about it, Laura? I thought it was just fabulous. I mean, you just, it's just another one of those umbrage moments that you talk about where it's like, she's just flat out lying. Like, right. Ugh, so easily. So, so easily. 
what's great about when she when she does these lies and stuff is she's she knows it's a blatant lie and she knows that she can say it and it's pretty much canon when she says it because no one can no one can say anything well see what i was gonna say is like this is great you know it's this blatant lie but if she knew what it really was it'd be even that much more because it was salazar slytherins it was one of the founder of hogwarts you know, she can say, oh, this is an old family heirloom, but it was originally Salazar Slytherin's. That's so much more important than it was like, it's been in her family for generations. And it, I just find it very ironic that she's making up a story that's not even as good as the actual story behind yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Well, if she if she blatantly tells everybody that's from Slytherin, pe- people are going to start to um, actually research it to see if she's a liar or not. If she goes yeah. Selwyn, it's a little... <laughs> it, it's, it, it's not as um, no, prestigious. Well, I know, but the... Yeah, I know, but the whole thing is though, like the actual story behind what the the locket is and what it is is way more interesting and way more important than her made-up story of it. It's been in my family for you know years. Of course, uh, Umbridge has the locket around her neck and she's proud to wear it. But um, if Pius Thickness, if the Minister of Magic saw the locket at any point when you know maybe she was walking in, she showed it to a minister. Do you like my new locket? Pius should have told – if Pius was under the imperious control of Voldemort, Voldemort would have seen that locket, and he would have recognized that the locket was out of its hiding place. And that's a potential yeah. big plot hole that I just I just thought of that. Well, again, we I thought we said that Pius, Pius wasn't, wasn't – Yeah, I don't Voldemort. think he was. And, I think and, that's, and again, I think, I think uh, Voldemort was lying low still. You know, he's basically in control because all his cronies are controlling the ministry. But he doesn't actually need to be like I think they said like I think Arthur or it was or, Remus. Uh, it Remus, was Remus says said, it. Yeah, he doesn't have to. Yeah, but. it's Remus that says he doesn't need to because he has virtual control without having to make you know himself present. If he did make himself present, then you know there'd probably be more people that would stand against it because then it's obvious. Yeah. But okay, but I, I so I I'm pretty confident it wasn't Voldemort. Yeah, no, you're right. It's no plow. So an- another thing we wanted to talk about here. So Harry, Harry. uh Sends a curse at him. What was it again? He, he it shuts was, her um, it, was it was stupefy. 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 Right. Was it stupefy again? Yeah, oh, geez, it was. It was stupefy. Spell, isn't it? It was stupefy. Umbridge, Umbridge just stupefy boom, again. Face desk, head desk. Yeah, which is great. And then they, Hermione goes in to get the locket. One thing that Matt wanted to bring up was why, why does it not? Why does the locket not have an effect on Umbridge? Because as we know later on in the book. All right, we'll, we'll talk about it now just because Umbridge is wearing it now. Ron, Ron felt the effects of it. It made him it and it made him separate from the group. So, what was it about Umbridge that? Yeah. Well, n- well, not only that, but you can actually when, when they put the locket on for the first time in the next chapter, though. But um, you could feel it uh, an automatic like heartbeat. Like yeah. It, well, not just that. Feel yeah, that? Harry, Harry, Harry said he felt the the slightest. Heartbeat, I think. Heartbeat first, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, you know, we read both chapters in preparation for this, but then we realized this chapter's too big yeah. um, for so, two chapters. But, oh. So the question is, why... Does anyone have any ideas or theories why Umbridge wouldn't feel anything? Like, does it matter if well, you're wearing a, mount, a certain amount of white clothing that's protecting you from well, physically... Well, she does have the ruffles. Touching the skin. The, but... I, Her dress, yeah. yeah no, just, yeah. I, I think... I think um, I think she did feel it. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think the locket had no effect on Umbridge. I think, but I think though that 
Umbridge was so full of malice as generally, I mean, when she got the locket, she proceeded to, I mean, that was when she proceeded to make those pamphlets and start crucifying and, 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 and became the, uh, the head of the Muggleborn registration committee. She was, she was at a really crucial, like, really powerful, self-important time as, as, as part of her career at the ministry. And I, I just think the, the locket would have felt good, unusually good to wear. I think, I think it attracted yeah. her to begin with and that it was just, that it was one of those things that empowered her to do her job and, and be, and have all that malice and evil. So I, I, I she might not have noticed that it was like beating a heartbeat, but I think it definitely affected her and made her sort of brought out her, her, her evil and her cruelty. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I- Definitely. I have to agree with Eric, but I also think maybe it also kind of shows that, uh, cause it is part Voldemort. I know, uh, Voldemort has a direct, um, effect on a lot of people that see him that are not like his followers. It could also mean that she was also, you know, a Death Eater and she had been in his presence before and it did not seem any difference. I, I personally think that just because how evil she was, she would definitely be one of the Death Eaters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, this, you know, yeah. locket would not, you know, change anything, you know, well, than what she's been used to. That, that's kind of the same as my theory too. Although I think since, yeah, it is a Horcrux and it's part of Voldemort, I think, um, so the Horcruxes kind of have like, a soul of its own, so I think it could actually sense if it's in danger or not. Maybe that's why it affected Ron so much because it knew what it kind of felt that it was kind of in danger into this group of people's hands. Yeah. Whereas if yeah. it was with Umbridge, it, it knew it was safe, or it it, it just could oh, sense a comfortable yeah. uh, aura around her or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah, can believe well, that. I that's think, good. One. I think a big point of the locket is that it brings out the worst in people, and. If you're a good person like Ron is, and it starts to magnify all of your worst traits, you're clearly not going to be very happy. But if you thrive in being evil like Umbridge does, then just making, you know, her power hungry nature that much more bad would make her happy. That's true. Yeah, yeah. that's a good theory too. Yeah. Well, you know what Hermione does, guys? This is, this shock. But wait a second. Was there anything that, that showed? Dumbledore, uh, or sorry, that Umbridge, her, her, her cruelness was exemplified. Well, it's well, not. I'm, I'm not saying think, it's inhuman. I mean, I'm not saying Umbridge is being super powerful now that she has a locket. I'm just saying that the locket would have felt good to wear around as as, as general vibe. Like like mm-hmm. Umbridge would be Umbridge would be getting this this vibe to be cruel, and she is proud to have this locket that is from the Sed or Selwick family or whatever, which is not true. Yeah. So, well, granted, well, also she that, didn't. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, well, okay. That's okay. All right. Um, I think that what it shows is it kind of took her whole pure, uh, her obsession with pure bloods to a whole new level. Because in the fifth book, she didn't really say anything about Muggleborns, did she? No, she just hated half It was no. mostly no. about Centaurs, magical yeah. creatures. Yeah. 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 Magical and creatures. this just took it to a whole new level. Totally. But don't you think that it was Dumbledore's, or sorry, Voldemort's doing? Well, I think that, I think that he allowed, I think he, he, he made that easier for her to do. But it also, I think, could become more acceptable for her if she had, you know, if the locket did bring out that yeah. kind of I'm with evil, power-hungry, domineering yeah. personality of hers. Yeah, I can go with that. You, you, I'll buy it. You that. know what's so shocking that I read, guys, is that Hermione duplicated the locket so that Umbridge didn't know it was missing. Did you guys catch that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, of course. But that, I thought that's, that's pretty weird. important. That's so weird. So now not only is there a locket around Creature's Neck, which is the false locket that R.A.B. put in the basin to replace the locket he took, but now there's actually a duplicate locket that actually has an S. So it's it's almost like an exact replica of the Slytherin artifact without Voldemort's soul in it. Uh-huh. But that's important because if Umbridge thought it was stolen, there would have been this huge search for that locket, and right, but you know they would have had. Sure a, what exactly Voldemort does it matter? would have found out? Yeah. What exactly? Does, right. Oh, well, it matters because they don't want another reason for Death Eaters and Voldemort to come after him or Umbridge. Like maybe Umbridge <laughs> would have been really annoyed enough to go after. Right. Okay. Uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. To but get at the first, locket. I didn't wonder because I mean, after they make the big escape from the Ministry, I think. I mean, there's several moments here, and this is this is another point too. Uh, there's several moments. Uh, see, Mary, the 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 wife of Reg, who they're rescuing from this trial. Um, she she's really confused because Harry is, uh, you know, personifying the the man who uh, put her there in the first place. But um, they shout each other's names uh, quite a bit when they're escaping and throwing Patronuses at the uh, Dementors. Harry, Hermione, Ron, this, Ron, that, and. And it seems pretty obvious that it's Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, and Hermione Granger that have appeared at the the ministry. Or it seems like Mary would be able to piece it together, or that you know somebody would be able to piece it together. Wouldn't they just want to come after Harry Potter anyway for being at the ministry? Wouldn't that just make them want to come after him anyway? So yeah. Well, I, well, they're already after Harry Potter well, guess, anyway. Yeah. But no, I think the big thing about the locket is again. Without her knowing the locket's gone and making a fuss about it, Voldemort won't get wind that his locket has been found and the people involved with taking it and stealing it was his one big enemy. You know what I mean? If Voldemort knew he was destroying his Horcruxes, I think he would have gone out and made more. You know, there, there's so many more things he could have done then to prevent himself from ever destroying all the Horcruxes. You, you know what I mean? You're right. And Dolores, and Harry's this 96 year old man trying to kill. You know, the last 17 of them. You're right. Numbers would be making a well, big fuss if her locket was stolen. Back to um, what what, um, what the original question was though about um, how come it didn't affect her as as much was um, I just thought about it. She didn't wear the locket as long as Ron did either. So that's probably why it didn't affect her. As much as it did Ron. Fair point, yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Because, didn't, weren't they like out there for months? Yeah. Yeah, but also, how long did she have the locket from, uh, Mundungus. what's his name? From, uh, Dung. Mundungus, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, she could have had it for months too, because they didn't think about this locket till, you know, remember when Dumbledore died, that's like the summer, like before, let's say that's like June or, you know, and now it's like what? It's like now it's mid-December September. maybe? It's September. So she's had it on straight for months then if he got it right away. You know what I mean? Did he say he and sold actually, it right no, away Mundung- No, Mundung- Mundungus stole it before Dumbledore's death even. After freaking, uh, what's his name's death? After uh, Sirius's. Oh, good old Which was like years ago. So all, all, all we know is that uh, yeah. all we know is that Umbridge came up to Dung while he was selling in Diagon Alley and said, do you have a permit to sell it here? And she said no. And he's, he's like, well, yeah, whatever. And she's like, give me that. Give me that. I'll yeah. turn a blind nice eye. Necklace. I want it. <laughs> well, next was just their, their kind of their escape. Do you guys have any escape. kind of comments about their escape? I, the escape was interesting. I thought the biggest holy sh moment was that was when, um, the real, um, what was his name again? Yaxley. Uh, 
No, no, no. The, Germ, er, the guy uh, who went home to puke Reg, and then... Catermol? Catermol. Reg, Reg, Catermol. Mm-hmm. Reggie Catermol. Yeah, when, when Reg, he came Catermol. back and... You know, the, the, everyone realized there was two of them. Yeah. And th- that was that was a very confusing scene. Like it was, even it Jackson is hard to read. And It'd be a lot better in a movie, though. Well, Harry laid out this bald guy. Yeah, I think that's the cool part. I was gonna say that, and like Harry's just like he punches a bald guy that lets them go through, and he's like, he's yeah. helping Muggle, you know, Muggleborns escape. He actually and confuses everyone. That's just awesome. Yeah, I think. uh but again, this is not going to be a Daniel Radcliffe doing this scene punching, and uh, it's going to be some guy playing Rancorn, and uh, I want to see some big guy just punch another guy. Oh, guys, what do you think is going to happen? Because this is a Polyjuice moment, but remember, they made a significant change in, in Chamber of Secrets when they used the Polyjuice. They still had their own voices, which was... Yeah, you know, I've was, thought about that because, because Mrs. Cattermole was all confused in in uh, once they knocked Umbridge out. They, she got all confused, but like Harry and Hermione kept addressing each other as each other. So I don't understand really what's but going she on was there. Also worried about her life. She's not paying attention to those little things. We yeah, but she can't, no, no, but it's not even away. a little thing. It's like Harry, come here, Hermione, come yeah, here. Like it is, you know, it is. it is. Andrew's completely right. And I mean, more to the point, mm. in, in the book, they don't have their regular voices. Um, and, and they shouldn't either. I mean, that was stupid of movie two to do it, but it was, well, they, they don't in the Goblet of Fire either with Mad-Eye Moody. I think they just changed it because they realized that's oh, how Oh, you're happens. right, because Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah, okay. Okay, so that's a movie, movie See, two but error. I do think from a movie standpoint, especially with the trio, it's too confusing while you're watching a movie to follow who Harry, Ron, and Hermione turn into. Yeah. Don't you think? I think they will change it for the benefit of the moviegoer. So yeah, what do you think it, it's do? just too confusing. Like, especially with these random ministry characters. Like, you know, a typical moviegoer will not understand. Will will probably get confused, especially during these faster paced action scenes. Like, wait, who's who again? I forget. Like, you know, it's not gonna have like arrows pointing well, to who who's who. You, you gotta have no. But you know what? That's actually what happens. Ron forgets what Harry looked like. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. I think I think they're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna dumb it down. I don't for think they're gonna dumb it down. You're right. Regardless no. of they. Yeah, I think they're going to have different voices, and what's going to happen is we're going to follow the one person that the movie's through. We're going to follow Harry, and we're going to forget that it's Hermione, but then he's going to be under the, you know, invisibility. He's going to go, Hermione, I'm here. And it's going to go, oh, that's Hermione's character again. Yeah, I guess so. What she looks like. the and Ron forgot what he looked like. You know what I mean? There's enough in there. The only part that's going to be confusing is like that ending part where right. like two Ron, uh, Reg Catamoles come out. But then you're, but then you know what's going to happen is they're going to start coming back. Because exactly. He actually has a moment. They actually has a moment of recognition. That's when Harry's scar is going to appear. Or their know? voices yeah. change. Like it's gonna sh- yeah. Or their voices start changing. You're going to know, like the moviegoers are not sorry. I get passionate when we start talking about the yeah. movie, even though I love the books because yeah. I'm a filmmaker, guys. So I know, guys. Um, I mean, but you know, it, it's wait, wait, wait. You're a film major? You've never said yeah, that before. What can I say? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> wait, wait. Re- but, Repeat it like five more times because I think I'm gonna forget. Mike B <laughs> likes uh, likes uh, movies. Okay, I'm gonna leave it there. But no, it, it's one of those things that they can definitely, yeah, you know, they can definitely well, keep it. They don't have to dumb it down. Cool. Long as they follow, long as they have the one thread, which is Harry's character as Rancorn, because we follow him, we know that's Harry. And then you know Ron's character comes back in. Even if we forgot what it was, he goes, "Ron, it's me." He's like, "Oh, Harry, I forgot what you look like." They bring that back up, so we know what Ron looks like again. I, I, and then I, you know, again, we have. I think Hermione, they will cast so. actors. Yeah, I think I don't think they'll dumb it. You're right, Mikey. Well, have you seen Stardust? You, have you guys seen Stardust? Well, uh, obviously no. they're going to cast the actors, but I, I see. I think 
the way they did it in Chamber of Secrets says something. Sure, they could change it, but I think to avoid confusion, and yes, there will be confusion. I don't care what you guys say. They're still going to, I mean, whatever. We can disagree. But we can agree to disagree. Mad but Eye? We didn't have Mad Eye doing a weird well, fake voice the entire time. Well, because then you would have known it. a longer <laughs> period and of time, too. The, and the other thing was that you, you were supposed to know, you weren't supposed to know that that was an imposter. Yeah, like, if it was a different voice, people would have been it, like, Andrew. what the hell? No. Although, I guess that's the first time we were meeting Mad-Eye anyway, so yeah. nobody so would have Actually, actually wait, you guys are forgetting. Exactly. Wait, I remember. No, it'll be easier to understand because they'll understand because of the seven potters. The scene with the seven potters with all of those Dan Radcliffe. That's going to be hard, too. It's, well, not, I don't even know if it'll be really hard. It'll just be, they'll understand that that kind of stuff happens, so the <laughs> it's possible, filmmakers, guys. filmmakers it's will be able to hard. sort of establish that with the scene of the seven potters to then, you know, help understand understand what happens in the in the Ministry of Magic. True. true. I, w- I want to see Dan Radcliffe walking as a uh, Fleur Delacour, just yeah. hopping around and giving a, bil- uh, was a big old kiss. So, um, yeah, their escape. Um, it's cool. <laughs> uh, the, the saddest moment is when they realize that Grim- they won't be able to go back to Grimwald Place anymore. They don't realize yeah. that yet. No, they- the saddest moment is when Ron gets splinched. That's that doesn't happen yet. Yeah, it but he's okay. Yet, guys, they they're they're yeah, they're in. You're they're skipping. In we're skipping this chapter. They're in midair at the. Oh at, right. The next chapter happens. Yeah. They're they oh, Harry just feels uh, Hermione's grasp like leaving him, and then that's so. Yeah, it's well, something in my room keeps beeping. So that's chapter uh, 13. All right, so it's time for quote quiz, 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 quiz. Okay, this week's quote quiz from chapter 14 is, can you feel it, though? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel it. No, no, that was quote quiz, Matt. That wasn't wasn't a question. Um, Okay. So let's move on now to uh, make the connection. Is it make the connection or make a connection? Back this week with... Make what? Is it make the connection connection. or make make? Oh, oh, it is. Well, we've always called it make the connection. So, all right, okay. We'll start with uh, Mikey since he's new to this. Oh, and I guess Eric hasn't done one yet either, has he? I've done one before. Okay, I haven't done one in a long time because I haven't been here. All right. Well, I want to. I want to give Mikey an easy one. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. Thank you. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. Okay. Mikey B. Your make the connection for this week is make the connection between Harry Potter and Anakin Skywalker. Oh, jeez. Oh, Which Anakin, though? Dude. Uh, the one in Star Wars. Okay. Just check. Just check. Make sure. Because really, I don't want to make sure. I, well, there's another Anakin, but he's Anakin Solo, but. Sometimes oh, you're right. Okay, you're in, right. The movies, in 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 the movies. Okay, well, I'm gonna have to say, uh, Order of the Phoenix is a lot like Attack of the Clones because they're both big babies and whine about a lot of things. Because <laughs> uh, Harry Potter is like, I'm mad at the world because I'm angsty and I'm all caps Harry. And then in the movie, Anakin Skywalker goes, I killed them all. I hated them. Ah! <laughs> I think that's, that's a good one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was yeah, good. Yeah, the mm-hmm. good. I hate them all. I killed them all like animals. No, it's I'm angry. Well, that's, that's good. <laughs> Actually, you guys want to hear a Star Wars story? A very quick one that kind of relates to this? Really quick. 
I, I put on my pulled out my Wii, uh, Nintendo Wii again, and I set it up properly. I've been playing, you know, Harry Potter Order of the Phoenix, and then I rented Lego Star Wars. Oh, how is that for Wii? that game? Is amazing. Lego Star Wars for the Wii is like the most amazing thing. I beat episode one, two, three, four, and five, and then I had to return it before I can beat episode six. So I think I either have to buy it or rent it again. Oh, because Lego Star, and they're making a Lego. Indiana Jones, yeah. and I'm so excited. The Lego games are so entertaining. Really, they are. They're not little kid games. They're awesome. They're Lego games. I used to love Lego chess. That was a fun one. That Dude, always froze my Lego computer. Lego Star Wars. Because I'm the only dork who plays Lego chess. Lego chess, yeah. yeah. Well, Lego yeah. chess anyway, inspired anyway. me. Well, Make the wait, wait, wait. wait I, I, let me say something about this, because I want to tell you the reason why I picked this. was because the person who sent this in had the most perfect Make the Connection, and I agree with it. Oh, okay. It's so funny. The reason there's a Make the Connection between Harry Potter and Anakin Skywalker is both the main actors, uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Hayden Christensen, both are bad actors. Oh, that's the worst. That's the worst. Making the connection, I don't like that one. It's terrible. <laughs> but, 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 but no. But see, this is what happens, though. Let me let me let me explain why that's completely wrong. Oh, okay. I can explain that. I can explain why that's clear. Harry Potter is originally a fictional character from a novel. Anakin Skywalker. We never had a novel of that. That's George Lucas' vision. Every Star Wars book never dealt with the story of Anakin Skywalker. That was originally released not as a novel but as a movie. And that's where Hayden Christensen is the canon for that. Whereas Harry Potter, the canon for that is the book one, not the movie uh, one, not Daniel that's Radcliffe. That's true. So, so Thank you shouldn't. You. Ins- I rest my no, case. Mikey these are um, two different might. things. I'm not convinced, yeah. but you okay. can't mess with Hayden Christensen. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> Don't mess with me in Star Wars. I have a Yoda tattoo and a Fox Phoenix tattoo. Okay. Mm. I got my well, two well none of you mentioned the fact that he's a little <laughs> okay. boy Those when he figures out that life. he's you know going to be whisked away and. Uh, Taken on a on a there's a million connections. There's, there's a million, a million but, connections, but I wanted to bring up the whiny one because I wanted to do change my voice and go. Oh, it was I funny. It was funny. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was funny. That was a very okay. very scene. That was a very all right. And actually, right. uh, you you really like honestly go play Lego Star Wars. Even if you don't like Star Wars, just to see the angsty yeah, see, like Anakin Skywalker the... as a Lego is so entertaining. That's where that voice came from. That I am I'm just yes! I'm it's so amazing. upset that it's they combine so those games because I have one and two, which was you know the original trilogy was was the sequel that they made, and, and now they have the complete saga at you know for the Wii, the PS3, and the Xbox 360. And I don't have any of those systems, so I don't have the combined game. Can I have a making the connection, Matt? I got one for you, but I got Andrew because he's because I like this one for Andrew. Make a connection between Harry Potter and a furry hat. A furry hat? <laughs> well, what does that have to do with me? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, um, Harry Potter and a furry hat. Yeah, are we talking like a um, a cap or like a like? It says a furry hat. Go with it. Okay. Well, um. A furry hat is um, very warm and cozy on your head. It actually sometimes tickles your head because the like the the fibers that are coming off of it. And um, when you wear a uh, wizarding's hat or like a witch's hat, um, your head tingles because when it's a sorting hat, it talks to you. Hmm. <laughs> Boo! Kind of like a, I know it's sorting. I know it's terrible, but that's not, that's that all you're getting. That is horrible. That's Come all you're getting. Sorry. Okay. That's the best I can do. Well, the person who Dude, sent you, this, you in. had it going with the warm and fuzzy. Go. Hold on. Wait. Well, what the person who sent it? Say? Um, uh, the the Harry hat. If if Harry was in need of a birthday present for Luna, he could give her a furry hat and tell her it was made from the skin of a crumple horn snork cack. Also, she probably oh. would appreciate pictures. 
Okay. Or whatever. All right. I, I thought I, I thought it was going to be a connection between Luna's lion from the Quidditch match. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that is fuzzy. That is funny. Fuzzy. Yeah. If I was a betting man, if I was a betting man, I would um bet that uh, that's going to be in the movie. My next one's for Eric. Eric? Yeah. Are you here? Are you here? Okay. Uh, make the connection between Harry Potter and receiving an electric shock in a bathtub filled with grape Kool-Aid. <laughs> wow. There's, there's there's actually a good explanation for this, so it's not it's not impossible. Receiving a shock when you're in a bathtub filled with grape Kool-Aid. Um, yes. Well, that would be about as close as I could get to replicating the Ministry of Magic scene with the brain tube, the brain tubs, the tub of the brains in it, and the shocking brains. Like, if I wanted to uh, recreate the Ministry of Magic scene in my own bathtub, that's what I would do. I would get a bunch of grape juice and I would, uh, and a hairdryer, and I would um, shock myself. Uh, grape Kool-Aid, my friend. Not grape uh, grape, grape Kool-Aid, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry if that fails. <laughs> Yeah, that was okay. There's no wrong answers right. here, right? That's true. Right. Well, unless you don't make the connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, the listeners. What was the, okay? The explanation for that was um, in Goblet of Fire, Harry takes a bath in the prefix bathroom to solve the golden egg clue oh. with many multicolored waters and bubbles. Hence, the grape Kool Aid. He receives a shock when Moaning Myrtle pays him a visit. Oh, oh. Yeah, so gets, see, these are like puzzles. They're like so puzzles. You have, to, you have to well, root through your brain and find the, the connection. That was the most intelligent one. That was really incredible. I I don't like myself. I like myself that much less because I did not make that connection. Oh, don't get email about it. Email cast now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, who's uh, Laura? You're next. Oh, okay, boy. Laura. Oh, don't don't worry, I'm not going to be mean. Uh, make the connection between Harry Potter and putting a poisonous snake in a light bulb, then putting it in a glass box with another lizard and smuggling the box to Texas. <laughs> Poor Laura had well, a bad one last week, too. Yeah, I did. Um. Well, okay, so wait, we're putting a poisonous snake inside of a light bulb, and then we're putting that... With a lizard, did you say in a box? P- putting it in a in a in a glass box with another lizard, and then smuggling the box to Texas. Hmm. Well, you could definitely draw like a Horcrux kind of parallel there. You know, housing something that's living inside of an inanimate object. I mean, and also the idea that um, some of Voldemort's Horcruxes were spread out across the the continent. Like uh, one of them was a, in a tree Romania, in wasn't Albania. it? So. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there really aren't any trees in Texas, so you couldn't say that it was in a tree there. Um, but yeah, and also Voldemort has a snake. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> good. Oh, and, uh, no, 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 and and he had her suspended in that ball thing, which is kind of light bulb shaped, sort of. It's bulbous. Oh, it's bulbous. Okay. okay. What was the ac- what was the actual um, connection? Uh, I don't know. Wait. Okay. Uh the connection I made is that up. poisonous yeah, I made it up. No. <laughs> poisonous snakes are really dangerous to many people, just like acromantulas are. And in order to smuggle these dragon eggs is to put them into something that isn't clear, such as a light bulb. Then to avoid suspicion, putting it into a box with a less dangerous animal. Then they would be able to smuggle it to wherever they want to. For example, how Hagrid smuggled Aragog into the castle. I don't know. Oh, oh I thought what? it was not. Hagrid did not put Aragog in a light bulb? 
I just, I don't know. I just wanted, I just wanted you to try, Laura. I think Laura, she I made think a I wanted to challenge job. you. I think you did an awesome me. job. No, I'm yeah. just wondering where the person got that from. I don't get it. I don't know. People reach. People reach with these things. Yeah, yeah you have do. to make a good connection, so, folks. So, so yeah. What I'm is, that's all these right. are probably that the best ones I've, I've got that stuck out of my mind. <laughs> a lot of you, when you send and make the connection, please give me the connection after you're done. Just don't just put it and then just say, I don't really know the connection. I just like it. Even though Jamie, Jamie did that's that what I do, everybody. Don't ja- do Jamie what I that. do. J- Jamie ruthlessly created <laughs> connections. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's. I Jamie. love Jamie. But what? Well, that's Jamie's right charm, though. He just does it just yeah, to see us true. suffer. It's true. So, so, so what is yeah. this pensive possibilities? What is? Because that was the title of the last week's show. Yes. Right? Well, um, last week we asked you guys to send in your the possible uses for a pensive, and um, we had. Quite a few lists sent in. We thank everyone who contributed lists. But uh, the best one actually was a collaborative effort that we want to read. Um, so we asked you to send in your top ten list, the top ten uses for your pensive. If you had one, what would be the top ten uses? Because in the book, you know, it's only used to store your thoughts. But then we realized, wait, there's more possibilities. And we came up with some ideas on the show last week. Just uh, bounce some ideas around. And uh, here's one sent in by uh, Kavitha also known as Padfoot, on the MuggleCast fan forums. She writes, Hello, MuggleCasters. I'd just like to say that the fan forums and I have created this list. We made a huge list and voted on our favorite ten. You can check out the topic if you'd like to see them all. Here's the link for the full thread, and uh, we'll link to it on MuggleCast.com. And then here is the list. Um, she actually didn't number the Top these. ten one, choices two, three, four, for five, what you can use seven, a pen eight, nine, ten. Is there ten or eleven here? One, two, three, four, five, six. Well, let's just seven, read them off anyway. There is eleven. Ten. Okay. Uh, so the first one, put some cucumbers in it, close it up, and make pickles. When you're done with the pickles, keep them in the pensive and send it to the P.O. box or the pensive object box. Um, wait, I was, how, how do you create cucumbers out of pickles? Is there some sort of vinegar? Wiki it. That's what pickles no, no, are, no. my friend. Vinegar. Oh, you okay. Put, yeah, didn't know that. you didn't know that pickles were made from cucumbers? With vinegar? No. Well, it's, it's, it's um, <laughs> other did, ingredients, Did you think too. they just sprout out of the ground? There Are there pickle trees? I'm okay. jars. Laura, I don't know. I've never studied it. <laughs> well, Maybe well, we'll never take pickles Andrew, 101 Andrew, in Andrew, college. Forgive Laura for you not studying it. Maybe next time you create a catchphrase for the show, you should do a little research behind it, you know? Kind of figure out where they Well, come. I just never really cared, so... Quack. So, um, next item. Use it as a collector when you sit on the streets trying to get We Will Rock You tickets. And that's a that's a little that's a little rip at Jamie and I. You know we can afford them. We don't need to collect them. But thanks for the idea. Um, third item: hit Laura Mallory over the head with it. It's kind of kind that of sounds mean. like a good idea. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but you would just <laughs> say it's not real. The next one's my favorite. I'm sorry, guys. That's <laughs> my favorite. It's right up my head. It's sleep- right up my alley. <laughs> at a sleepover, use your pensive to stick your friend's hand in for a wonderful prank. <laughs> it's like that when is- you. It's like yeah. when you stick your friends in a uh, friend warm hand. Water. Warm water. water. Apparently, though, that doesn't always so, work. So, so what happens Andrew. when you put your hand in it? You, you pee memories? <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like to like try that. it, Matt? I guess so. uh, cause I, I'll get my pensive. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a try. We'll give it a whirl. Matt. Well, I think so. Matt, I, it it come, flushes all the bad memories because you know that's what urine is. It's just waste. I'll, I'll stand well that's back true. from you, Matt. <gasps> Next okay. item, washing your MuggleCast pickle pack shirt in it. I guess that's good, although it might smell a little bit afterwards, especially if you use it as a toilet. Mm-hmm. All those who have the pickle pack shirt, right? Um, next one, put all your nightmares in it and 
drunk people you hate in it? D- dunk no, people. Dunk you people. Hate. Oh, dunk. I thought I said drunk. Well, we know what I'm thinking about. Yeah, really. <laughs> put all your nightmares in it and dunk people you hate in it. Uh, next item, put it outside and use it as a birdbath. That, that'd be nice. Yeah. It depends on that. who's pensive of it, though. <laughs> Actually, this one's my, my new favorite. Put a motor and bubbles in it and use it as a foot massager. <laughs> <laughs> that one's really um, Second to last one, used to house pet fish. That'd be okay, but you'd always... It's not glass, so you'd yeah. have to look in it from and the And also, top, the fish like, would know all your deepest yeah, secrets, so you never know See, what are we looking at these as if your memories are yeah, in yeah. it at the same yeah, time? That's what a pensive is. We were, that's no, what but, it is. No, I realize this, but I thought we were just using the, the basin oh, or something. Would, I don't know. Oh, well, well, that would be funny if you were making pickles in your pensive while memories were floating around it. And by the time you actually construct the pickles, you take the pickle out, chomp, chomp on it, and, and relive one of your you know memories and be like, ooh, that's a good pickle. Memory pickles! Can you imagine that? <laughs> it's like crack brownies. We should awesome. put a patent on that. What? Crack brownies. That's a tasty How can pickle. You compare memory pickles. <laughs> you know? Because you, you said you're putting something into a food. Like when people put, or you could put it, you could put your pencil in the brownies. freezer and have little um, ice cubes of your memories and have <laughs> a nice jello. little comfortable <laughs> jello pencil shots. Jello cubes or memory cubes. <laughs> I have lime jello in the fridge right now. It's tasty. Yeah, anyway. awesome. And the last item, cry into it when MuggleCast stops doing weekly episodes. Aww. Which will never happen. We were just kidding, That's by funny. The way, about MuggleCast. Yeah, no, <laughs> we weren't. So thanks, everyone, on the MuggleCast fan forums for creating that. See, that's a good idea. That's what people do on the forums. They collaborate on ideas and thoughts about the show. MuggleCastFan.net. Yay. All right. Well, um, it is time to wrap up today's show. This is a long episode. Um, hey, Laura, what's the, the uh, P.O. Box? You can send everything except anything pickle-related to P.O. Box 3151, <laughs> coming Georgia, 30028. We also have a uh, MuggleCast hotline set up for the day that we do get back to voicemails. And you're in, if you're in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic In the United Kingdom, it's 20 811 And in Australia, the number is 2 You can also Skype the username MuggleCast to get in touch with us. No matter how you call us, just remember to keep your message under 60 seconds and take out some background noise so your call is crystal clear. Uh, we'll get back to those when we have time someday. I don't know if it'll hap- ever happen, so maybe we should stop making yeah. that announcement. <laughs> um, there's also a feedback form on MuggleCast.com to get in touch with any one of us or use our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Of course, uh, Matthew B. at staff.mugglenet.com and Mikey B. at staff? Or no, is it it's just, just Mikey? Mikey. It's just, just Mikey. Mikey. Okay. It's M-I-K-E-Y. It's like Mickey, but no E. You mean C. Just- yeah, M- oh yeah, see, I do have an E. M I K E Y. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm tired. It's a long day already. I had waffles this morning. We also have the community outlets on MuggleCast.com. We got MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Prapper, Last.fm, and the fan listing in the forums over at MuggleCastFan.net. So uh, that does it for today's show. Thank you everyone for listening. Once again, I'm Andrew Sams uh, with the News Bubble. I'm Mikey B. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey B. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Laura Thompson without a news bubble. I'm Eric Eric Skull. And floating in a tub of grape Kool-Aid. Um and I'm at Britain, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next week for episode one hundred thirty one. Sayonara! Woo! Happy February. Bye. Bye.
Dude, you know, I wanted to build that up. I wanted to be like, and I'm Link. Shut up. Go, go on. Like, honestly, can you not imagine so me what if I laugh computer, like dancing in front of the computer yeah. screen going, and I'm not going to be. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but see, if it was up to me, I would say, because this is one long show this is mugglecast episode 130 for february 2nd 2008